Well, hello, Fuel for Life Nation. I hope you're doing amazing. Thank you for listening to the Fuel for today. I'm praying that you are supremely blessed by it. And before we get into today's content, I want to invite you to a special one-night worship event that I will be hosting live and in person in Washington State. That's right, I'm coming to the Pacific Northwest, namely in the city of Tacoma on Saturday, March 12th. So please put that in your calendars. Saturday, March 12th, doors open at 6.30 p.m. and the event will begin at 7 p.m. It's going to be at Anthem Coffee in downtown Tacoma. We will have live worship, amazing coffee and food, and I will be delivering a very special gospel-saturated message to fuel your faith in Jesus. So if you're anywhere in the vicinity of Washington State, or even if you're in a different state, I would absolutely be thrilled if you would come out to this event And I would be ecstatic about meeting you in person, face to face. If you can't make it to the event and you know somebody in that area that would benefit from the event, please direct them to one of my social media pages so that they can get all the info there. I hope to see you pumped for the event on Saturday, March 12th. Now, let's get into today's content. Welcome to Fuel for Today, curated audio content from Pastor Bogdan Kipko. We are confident this will fuel your faith in the one who gives faith. If you have breath in your lungs, God has a plan for your life, a plan that is far better, bigger, and immensely more than anything you have ever imagined. When you look at verse 8 in this psalm, It talks about the fact that God judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. And so a partial world is governed by an impartial God. And the point is that when God comes to alongside of you or to me, he doesn't wait for us to clean up our mess. He says, come to me with your mess and I will take it upon myself. Then the biggest problem that I think Christianity has today is when people think that they have to first clean up their life and then they come to Jesus. Friends, Jesus wants you to come to him as you are and he will clean up your life. And so he's going to make an amazing message out of your mess. That's what Jesus does. Before you have a chance to practice your repentance speech, Jesus already wants you to give you the love that he lavishly wants to bestow upon you. And so when we talk about an impartial God, we, we experience so much judgment. None of us in this room have not experienced judgment. People judge us for whatever reason. People think we're too spiritual. People think we're not spiritual enough. People think we should be growing spiritually faster. People think we should be growing spiritually slower. The point is that instead of us getting angry or mad at the people, we should focus on God, the one who judges everybody with uprightness. So leave the judging to God and leave the love and compassion to yourself to demonstrate it towards other people in your life. This is why about a thousand years later from when this text was written, the Apostle Paul, in his great address on Mars Hill in Athens, he talked about an impending judgment. 
And he said, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Friends, the reality that maybe some of our friends, some of our co-workers, some of our neighbors don't want to hear is that Jesus is God. There is a heaven, there is a hell, it's forever, and those that don't repent and come to Jesus will not be in heaven. That's what the scripture teaches. This is an offensive message. When you understand the inclusivity of Jesus, which means that he says, come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The inclusive message of Jesus and the exclusive message of Jesus is, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So Jesus says, everyone come to me. But Jesus also says, the only way is through me. You guys with me? This is the message of the Bible. It's an offensive message. It's a message that's very hard to hear. This is why when Jesus was constantly preaching in the different cities that he was going to, people kept walking away from him. And at the very end, he was abandoned by everybody. Even his own disciples didn't understand what he was talking about. This is why he said, some things I say are very hard to hear. But that's the reality, friends. That's the point that you and I are living. That's the why we need to be so compassionate to people in our life. And we need to be so on fire to reach the nations, to reach people for Jesus. Because if we don't tell people about Jesus Christ and they die in their sins, there will come judgment. And the Lord sits enthroned forever. And the Bible talks about that it is appointed for every man or woman to die once and then comes judgment. And there is no second chances. So when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about people that live in, across the street from us, this is the reality, this is the sober reality, that, that we will have friends who don't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they will go to hell forever. It's not a pretty message, it's not a nice message, but it's a real message, and the truth, even though it hurts, it helps and heals. And so Jesus is not just leaving us out to dry. He's saying, I came to earth to die on the cross in your place for your sin. He offers us a way out. He offers us a way of salvation. And the great part about Jesus, he doesn't care how much times you've messed up as long as you repent of your sin and come to him. Think about the interaction that Jesus had with the woman at the well. He asks her how many times you've been married and basically she starts telling him a particular version of the story and Jesus basically says to her, I know everything about you. Even the person you're living with right now, that's still not your husband. And yet Jesus doesn't cast her away from himself. He invites her to himself. He explains to her the way of salvation. She gets captured by the gospel message and she goes into the city and tells people that this man is a prophet things that no one knew about me he did therefore he must be God and he is so when we talk about our, our unchanging God our, our, our life should be less about our, uh, our prejudices and more about the possibilities that what God can do through you what God can do through you so I hope I'm, I'm stirring up that fire uh, within you. And so as we, as we continue to talk about God's judgment and th at the same time, if you look at verse 9, 
The Bible says the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. There's not a single person that God has forgotten about. Think about it. God created people. The events that are going on in Ferguson, Missouri, which have our entire country flipped upside down with racial issues, God is not indifferent towards that. God doesn't just take away trouble. God meets you in the midst of your trouble. God is in the midst of that storm. That's the whole point, that if you look at the narrative of your life and my life, it's not a pretty highlight reel that you see as a trailer for a movie. It's a mess. Some people wouldn't even want their life story to be shown on the big screen, but the point is God welcomes that. He says, I know you're messed up. I know you had so many bad issues and problems that happened in your life, but that's why I'm here. Because if we can clean up ourselves, guess what? We wouldn't need Jesus. That's why Jesus comes into our life and he does exactly what only Jesus can do. That's why the Bible says that in a, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. So just in the same way that in the Old Testament, if you uh, killed somebody by accident or if you did something wrong, there were cities of refuge that people ran to to be safe. You and I, you know what our city of refuge is? It's Jesus and his gospel. That's to whom we run to. We have been judged. We run to Jesus. We have been oppressed. We run to Jesus. We have been persecuted. We run to Jesus. We have been maligned. We have been criticized. People treated us wrongly. Maybe our spouses treated us wrongly. Maybe our relationships we've had ended badly. Maybe our careers tanked. Maybe we lost all of our money. Maybe our physical health is not where it should be. Jesus is our strong tower of refuge. And we run to him. Because friends, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much wealth you acquire, no, much, no matter how, how great your position is, no matter even if you end up par- uh, marrying the person of your dreams, the point is you're not going to experience joy until you meet Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can provide you that perpetual joy, not anything else. Well, all those other things can be good, but they're not, they're not God. And so my question to you is, What storm are you in right now that you need to run to that city of refuge, which is the gospel of Jesus? Is it financial? Is it physical? Is it relational? What is it for you? I don't know what it is. You know exactly what it is for you right now. And I want the Holy Spirit to convict him to tell you, you know what? I need to repent of worrying about my job, my career, my position, my influence, or maybe my relationships that are not working or are working and give it to God. He's our city of strong refuge. That we run to. He's a stronghold for the oppressed. He's a stronghold in times of trouble. And the point is that very often God is not, not going to save you from the storm. He's going to save you through the storm. He's going to meet you in the midst of that storm and show himself to you and says, I am God and I will get you through this. Amen? That's the great God that you and I serve. And so when we look at the last verse here, verse 10, It talks about the faithfulness of God. Verse 10, it says, And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name put their their trust in you. The only people that are going to experience joy and everlasting joy is those that know Jesus. That's the exclusive message of the Bible. Um, a couple of, um, actually, yesterday, uh, my wife and I, we had a a chance to visit... um, the Getty Villa. And if you guys know LA, this is definitely a popular tourist attraction. There's the Getty Museum. 
and then there's the Getty Villa, and it's this large uh, uh, Roman-esque and antiquity mansion, all these different artifacts and stuff, and so as my wife and I are there, we're kind of like looking around, and we're marveling at all this stuff that they have, and and just kind of, and, and when I saw all the different things that, that they talked about with the, with the Roman culture, I just envisioned kind of like uh, Paul being there, preaching there in the amphitheater. Yeah, that's what preachers and pastors do. They just kind of daydream about weird stuff like this. But anyway, so it was a really <laughs> nice place, and we really liked looking at it and everything. And so um, my wife is super inquisitive. She's like, hmm, J. Paul Getty. I never really, like, knew much about him except everything that what he did. Let's, let's talk more about, like, who he was as a person. So we're like, well, where should we go to find out information? Where should we go to the most, most trusted source in the world? Wikipedia. Duh. It's like how you survive college, right? So we go to Wikipedia, and as I start reading about J. Paul Getty, um, the funny part is that when you go to the, uh, the Getty Villa, they show you a movie where it's 12 minutes, it's a highlight of the person's life. He unearthed some sort of a city on some sort of an island that was basically destroyed by a volcano, and he realized there were so many artwork, um, artworks and artifacts that he wanted to recreate something very similar, so that's why he bought the Getty Villa and basically recreated something that existed in yesteryear, and as um, the movie went on to talk about him, the kind of the sad part was that during the entire time that he was building it and directing it and being involved in every single aspect of this whole building of the Getty Villa, um, he died without ever having a chance to see it. He never really came to see the work of his hands, and, but it, it was very obvious that he put his faith and trust in in things that might necessarily bring you an eternal rewards. And so when I started looking at his autobiography, we found out that he had five failed marriages. Um, one of his wives basically um, uh, divorced him because his um, disabled six-year-old uh, son um, died at an early age, and J. Paul Getty refused to fly, I think, from London at his sudden estate to the funeral in the United States. He refused to do that because he was a miser. He was a guy who basically wanted to collect and hoard a whole bunch of money but not really spend it. He was constantly coaching all of his wives that, hey, you're spending too much money. Uh, maybe that's why he had five plus. Um, that you're spending too much money. You're not really uh, putting this money to good use. And he himself was somebody who was very frugal with what he spent. And, and the sad part is that he, 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 he died. And the thing is that all of these things, like it's great that he built this Getty Villa. And it's great that you and I can go there and to marvel at the architecture. But what's sad is when you look at a person's life, that's what the Bible talks about when God, Jesus said, what is the point if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? So that's my question to you as we're going over this and we're talking in the last verse that those who know your name put their trust in you for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. What have we put our faith in more than Jesus? What is it? Is it relationships? Is it our wealth? Is it our finances? Is it our charisma, our intellect, our talent, our career, our position, popularity? What is it? it it's different for you and for me, but there are certain things that we, need, we put our, um, our faithfulness into and they're not going to reap any benefits or any result. That's why it's talking about run to God and find comfort in his name. Thank you 
for listening to this curated audio content from Pastor Bogdan Kipko. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired by this message. Bogdan is personally convinced that whatever fills your mind fuels your life. It is his life goal to help you faithfully follow Jesus. For more information, please visit fuelforlife.tv.